Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Revelation 3. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, as we read these letters to the churches, we pray that we would focus on what really matters, that we would not be pulled in by the the society around us and the values around us. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Revelation 3 And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, This is what the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, and you are dead. Be on the alert and strengthen the remaining things that are about to die, for I have not found your works completed before my God. Therefore remember how you have received and heard, and observe it, and repent. If therefore you are not on the alert, I will come like a thief, and you will never know at what hour I will come against you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothing, and they will walk with me in white, because they are worthy. The one who conquers in this way will be dressed in white clothing, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, and I will declare his name before my father and before his angels. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, This is what the Holy One, the True One, the One who has the key of David, the One who opens and no one can shut, and who shuts and no one can open, says, I know your works. Behold, I have put before you an opened door that no one is able to shut, that you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and did not deny my name. Behold, I am causing those of the synagogue of Satan, the ones who call themselves Jews and are not but are lying, behold, I will make them come and kneel down before your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my patient endurance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing that is about to come upon the whole inhabited world, to put to the test those who live on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one may take away your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will never go outside again. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and my new name. The one who has an ear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the angel of the church in Laodicea write, This is what the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation, says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. Thus, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am about to vomit you out of my mouth. Because you are saying, I am rich, and have become rich, and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, and pitiable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, in order that you may become rich, and white clothing, in order that you may be clothed, and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And I salve to smear on your eyes in order that you may see.
as many as I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, indeed I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also have conquered and have sat down with my father on his throne. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. In chapter 2, we started the letters to the seven churches, and this chapter finishes those letters. Each letter follows the same pattern, starting with an attribute of Jesus from chapter 1. The letter to Sardis is the fifth letter, and Jesus doesn't have anything positive to say about the church. He says that they have a name that they are alive, but actually, they are dead. So Jesus says they need to wake up and repent. Sardis had been a powerful city in the past as the capital of Lydia, and had an acropolis that had the reputation for being secure, even though it had been destroyed by enemy armies multiple times. So perhaps Jesus is referencing that when he talks about how they have a name, but they aren't living up to it, and how they need to be alert. We are also reminded of what Jesus said in his parables about staying awake until his return. Jesus does say that there are a few people in Sardis who are doing what is right. He describes that as clean clothes, and he promises them white clothing. That symbolizes purity as well as victory. Jesus also promises not to erase the names of those who conquer from the book of life. That book will show up later in Revelation as well. The sixth letter is to Philadelphia, and if you remember that the two churches that didn't have any negative things against them were the second and sixth letters, you have been looking forward to this one. For the attributes of himself, Jesus mentions that he is holy and true, and he has the key of David, and that when he opens or shuts things, no one can change that. In chapter 1, Jesus said that he had the keys to death. Jesus says that he is putting an open door in front of this church. It seems that they have been persecuted, but did not give in. Jesus calls the Jews in that city the synagogue of Satan, and says they aren't really Jews. So Jesus says the suffering is coming to an end, and the Jews are going to acknowledge that the Christians are loved by Jesus. And he says they aren't going to have to go through an hour of testing that everyone else is going to have to go through. Perhaps he's referring to the plagues that will be described later in the book. The city of Philadelphia was known for its earthquakes, but Jesus promises that the one who overcomes will be a pillar in God's temple in the new Jerusalem that will appear toward the end of the book. And finally, Laodicea. Laodicea doesn't get any praise. Jesus starts by calling himself the faithful witness, which was also stated in chapter 1. He also says he is the originator of God's creation. That word originator could be translated beginning or source. Jesus says Laodicea was lukewarm, and so they were disgusting to Jesus. Laodicea didn't have a good local water supply, so they had to pipe their water in. So by the time it got to the city, it was lukewarm, and perhaps Jesus is drawing on that. We can understand. You don't want lukewarm tea or coffee. You either want hot tea or coffee or iced tea or coffee. 
Laodicea was known for banking, textiles, for clothing, and for a medical school that made ISAV. So Jesus says that they say they are rich, but they are actually poor, blind, and naked. So the opposite of what they thought they had physically. Jesus says they should buy from him gold, white clothing, and ISAV, spiritually, of course. Jesus says he loves them, so he is reproving them, but they need to listen and repent. Jesus is knocking at the door, and if they will just open, he will come in and eat with them. Eating together has always had the idea of being in unity and fellowship. Jesus says that those who conquer will get to sit with Jesus on his throne. And now for a deeper dive. Maybe I'm just speaking of myself, but what I have seen in songs, at least, about the idea of Jesus knocking, has been that he is asking non-Christians to let him in. The idea of, let Jesus come into your heart so you can be saved. But it isn't the door of people outside the church that Jesus is knocking at. It is the people of the church of Laodicea, people who think they are already saved. I think the idea is that we need to keep letting Jesus in. This isn't a one-time thing, but we need to continually listen to Jesus' reproof and continually repent. It is interesting how Jesus makes reference to things in their local area in these letters. We absorb so much of our culture that we don't even realize, and that has a tremendous danger. We tend to think that what we see around us is right and then try to make the Bible fit that pattern, rather than being separate from the society we are in. In fact, we are tempted to go so far as to judge God by the standards of the world as we know it. For example, in the current culture I am in, slavery is considered one of the worst evils. Probably that is because we exalt the individual in our culture rather than the nation or the community. So we look down on the references to slavery in the Bible. We tend to think those people were uncivilized and we are much better today. Of course, the history of the abolition of slavery involves a lot of people who changed their minds based on the teaching of Jesus. But then we see the teaching about marriage and divorce, how God hates divorce, and we try to come up with every exception to that because divorce is so commonplace in our society, and our society is suffering terribly because of that. In fact, some have argued that the destruction of the family has always preceded the destruction of the world powers in the past, and we are just repeating that same pattern. But regardless of if this indicates the destruction of the current world order, it should bother us if we are really in Christ's kingdom. Instead of taking our morals and values from our culture, we need to take our values and morals from Jesus. That is hard. I don't have an easy fix. It will take filling our minds with God's ways from the Bible and putting them into action in our lives. It takes time and effort. It takes endurance. But through Jesus, we can conquer. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, Copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexum is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.